Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal Podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everybody. I'm John Barlow from Mayo Clinic. The snow's falling outside and it's getting to be bitter cold. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Peter Chalmers from the University of Utah. I bet snow's flying out there as well. Dr. Chalmers was the author on a paper titled Incidents and Return to Play After Biceps Tenodesis in Professional Baseball Players, which was published in March 2018 in the Arthroscopy Journal. His co-authors include Dr. Erickson, Verma, D'Angelo, and Romeo. Welcome, Peter, and thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Throwing athletes continue to, tr to gain tremendous attention in the shoulder and elbow in sports literature, and with good reason. In 2017, for instance, the annual revenue for the Major League Baseball was over $9 billion. That's more than the gross domestic product of many countries. While UCL injuries continue to be a common concern, shoulder issues can be even more problematic. Return to play rates remain low after surgical management of throwing shoulder problems, in particular with slap and biceps labral issues. Peter, can you discuss the literature preceding your paper on surgical management of slap lesions? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you first off that it's a near impossible task. There's an incredible amount of literature on this subject, um, and it's been something of interest to surgeons for 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 really since since the, the initial description of the injury by Andrews. And I'll I'll tell you that um, that I couldn't agree more that this is uh, that I think there's there should be tremendous attention and that the, the amount of literature on the topic is warranted, especially when you look at youth and adolescent throwers, 30% of whom have been injured at some point. And 30% of whom are often throwing through pain in their in their regular lives. So um, I think this is a, a critical issue for um, those who take care of um, youth and adolescent athletes going forward and, and, a, and a subject we need to continue to focus on. I'd say that if you wanted to summarize the literature preceding our paper in, in one sentence on slap lesions, it would it would say that the return to play after the surgical treatment of the slap of, of the slap lesion and overhead athlete is unpredictable, which is to say that there are some papers that had reported better or worse outcomes after this injury, but the return to play rates had been disappointing overall, especially in higher level athletes. And you and your co-authors at Rush, where uh, this work was organized, have taken a little different approach to treatment of slap pathology, whereas in the past, I think labral repair was more common you have discussed using biceps tenodesis as a treatment option. Can you update us on what you found in this paper in regard to biceps tenodesis? So this paper is a, is a completely different outlook um, on this problem. Um, all prior papers had looked at either biomechanical studies or single center retrospective reviews. Um, this paper was a database study. So specifically, we looked through Major League Baseball's HITS program, and this is a, a program Major League Baseball has done to, to prospectively manage a database of all major minor league baseball players. And then you can, within that database, sort out each specific procedure through review of operative notes. And so we did that to look at biceps and uses specifically. The strength of this approach um, is that it's, it's unbiased by any one surgeon who's, who's doing their best to report their best outcomes to show how well their patients are doing. This is, this is data that's garnered completely from the MLB, and it's really with regards to return to play. So in, in that way, I think it gives us more of a, um, a, of, a, of a transparency with regards to outcome. What we specifically found, and I think the, 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 
the most interesting findings are that in the three-year, I'm sorry, the four-year period um, included, there were actually only 17 freshman football players that underwent biceps kinesis. And among those, the return to play rates um, are disappointing in, in pitchers specifically. Only 17 play, players who were pitchers returned to play, whereas position players had a 35% rate. I'm sorry, an 80% rate of return to play. So the, um, and the overall rate when both position players and pitchers were combined was 35%. And these rates are um, roughly, you know, this is a small sample size, but I think are roughly comparable to the rates published in the literature previously with slap repair. So um, that's our major finding, which is that probably there's not a huge difference when you look at it from this specific perspective and return to play between biceps kinesis and slap repair. Yeah, and I think that's uh, remarkable. And certainly we think of shoulder demands as being dramatically higher in pitchers than position players. Could you get a sense if it was a difference in functional outcomes after biceps tenodesis, that limited return to play with pitchers, or was it that they had persistent um, pain or limitation of motion? Is there any way to delineate that from uh, the database? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. I mean, I think one of the things that's really hard to tell in a database is you don't get the same granularity of data to be able to look in each specific chart and say, okay, we're going to determine for each player what exactly happened. Certainly one of the things that I think you need to know about this particular cohort is that the data has to be interpreted with caution because this is not a this is not a clear this is not like these are 40, you know, 17 players that had biceps tendonitis that underwent biceps tenodesis. 40% of 7% of our cohorts had had prior surgery. 47% of the players underwent a concomitant labor repair at the time of their biceps tenodesis. So I I think that there's probably a lot going on here with these players. And I think that these players are probably, this is probably not a clean, oh, this is, this particular procedure doesn't work for this particular problem. It may be that this particular cohort of the people that end up undergoing a biceps tenodesis who are major league players have a complicated road to get there. And when they're there, the pathology may be more complicated than, than slap repair, than, than slap repair versus biceps tenodesis as a clean delineation one versus the other. Yeah, speaking to that, sort of complicated data set. One of the things that I noticed in the paper is that um, the difference in number of players who return to play with other procedures performed at the time of surgery. So for instance, the numbers uh, that I note here is 25% of players that had other procedures done at the time of surgery, i.e. concomitant labor repairs or otherwise, returned while the number was higher if they had no other repairs done. While it wasn't significant in the paper, what are your thoughts about treating the slap tear after tenotomizing the biceps in the joint and preparing for a subpectinodesis? Do you have ideas about how that impacts um, either the throwing athlete or in general? Yeah, well, I think that's a great question. Um, I think that particular difference, the 25% versus the 44%, you know, that may be more a reflection of the underlying pathology um, in that those that had more more pathology within the shoulder had a lower rate of return to play than those that did not. Um, it's hard to really tease that out from a retrospective perspective. Um, I, I, I think that there's, 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 it's, it's really hard to know what the role of the superior labrum would be after you cut the biceps tendon. Because I think that's ultimately the question you're asking is, if you cut the biceps tendon and there's a residual slap tear, could that somehow affect 
the shoulder, particularly with regards to the throwing motion. There's a couple of biomechanical studies that have looked at that. There's one by Theo Patzer, um, who worked with Habermeyer, and there's another one that was done by Dr. Verma through a grant that they received through Major League Baseball. And both of them suggest that there may be some role for the superior labrum, but that it's really, really small. Um, and it's hard to know whether or not that plays a role in the overhead thrower. Um, it may also be that that depends upon the specific anatomy of the labrum. Um, and as you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of variation in the superior labrum, particularly in the inter-superior labrum. And there may be some people in whom the superior labrum acts to hold up the inter-inferior labrum and the inter-inferior glenohumeral ligament to provide some stability to enter translation. That's one of the things that Verma and um, Patzer's study attempted to look at is whether or not the superior labrum may play a role in intertranslation through what's been coined the circle concept in that the labrum is one continuous circle of collagen fibers. I don't think that this particular study gives us insight into that, but I think that it's certainly something that shoulder surgeons are going to continue to need to think about going forward because the, the, the door is not closed on that particular question. Yeah, that's an interesting question. And, and um, ultimately, while the return to throwing in pitchers was low, in position players, it looked like about 80% of patients, throwers that is, returned, uh, returned to their previous level of performance. How does that compare with historical literature on slap repair? It's, I think, actually roughly the same, maybe slightly better than historical. I think if you look at historical data on overhead athletes, the overall rates of return to play after slap repair uh, are probably somewhere around 60%. So the 80% return to play rate in position players, I think is actually pretty good. Um, that being said, these are small numbers. And um, and the previous the, the previous data I said about 60% is also not perfectly delineated between position, position players and pitchers. Um, but I think that that does suggest that there may be some role for this procedure in that particular group um, with, if you select the right patient. Great. So now, putting everything that you know together, Dr. Chalmers, synthesizing what you know on slap tears, what's your standard treatment for a baseball player with a symptomatic slap tear? Um, let's start with position players now only. Um, I, I will tell you that I see these athletes, and I, I think that um, a lot of people do, and I think that by, by far the best treatment for this lesion is a non-operative treatment. So people, I, we, every, I will tell you that if you get an MRI of a, of a baseball player with shoulder pain, you will find a slap tear um, the majority of the time. And the, most of the time, you can turn that symptomatic slap tear into an asymptomatic slap tear um, with the right kinds of conditioning and, and, uh, and therapy um, and perhaps a supplemental injection if, if, if the shoulder is particularly flared up. Um, and I've, I've been very successful with that. I know that a lot of other people's, people have as well. And um, certainly our goal always is to avoid surgery, even for position players, um, if you think that the slap tear is what's symptomatic or, or, or often than not, you think that the slap tear may or may not have anything to do with the shoulder pain um, that that player is experiencing. And when they fail, they're still in your office, Dr. Chalmers. They've had therapy and they've had one injection and they say, I can't go back. I need you to do something. What, what are you going to do? Well, I will tell you that in, in that setting, my rubric is definitely um, to assess the biceps tendon. Um, usually clinically, I do that with tenderness. I also, there's some other tests that I, I don't find speed and to be particularly helpful, but um, I think that, that tenderness is to me more, um, the more useful, the more useful test tenderness within the groove underneath the pectoralis by the same place where you would do your, 
open subpectoral biceps tendinosis. If that if a patient's tender over the biceps tendon, I get really worried about doing a slap repair and having that tenderness resolve. Um, so I definitely do. Um, you know, we we've 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 used tight biceps tendinosis in my practice and high level athletes and had some success. Um, that being said, I also think that the level matters. I think as you get into older, you know, minor leaguers, collegiate players, you're leaning more towards the tenodesis. In younger players, youth, adolescent, high school, certainly you lean more towards a slap repair. Um, that's kind of, that's what I've been doing. But I, I think ultimately this is a case-by-case discussion, a case-by-case uh, management with the player. And I think that you need to have a, a player and a, and especially an interplay, a parent who is on board with whatever tree you must select and, and, and certainly the risks and benefits of each. And with the 17% return to play, is there any role in your current practice for tenodesis for the pitcher? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's your hard pressed to do that in, in someone who's in this cohort, someone who's in a minor or major, major league um, kind of position. But again, I, I really think that you have to interpret the study with caution because I don't think that the, the hypothetical situation you advance is necessarily the player for whom the player that was in the study. Like I think so many of these players had prior surgeries and concomitant lesions that it's really hard to say for the isolated slap tear, you can use these, this particular paper to make decisions about that player. Great. And what's, and what's your current go-to surgical technique for biceps tenodesis? I prefer a subpectoral technique, fixating the biceps tendon with a, um, a button that's end cortical. And um, I, I like that technique because I think that it's in my hands, it's reproducible. It's something I can teach to our residents and fellows. And, um, and I, I think that it removes all of the biceps tendons so there can't be any residual tendonitis, which I, which I think is an entity that it may be uncommon but does exist. Um, and, and I've surgically treated residual tendonitis with a revision tenodesis lower successfully on several occasions. Um, so I think that if you use this technique, you never you can avoid that as a potential central second surgery that you do or your one of your partners may do for the unhappy patient. To be honest with you, that I think it probably doesn't matter, um, you know, which particular fixation technique you use because all of them probably exceed the amount of force that the tenodesis is actually. Um, placed under during the rehabilitation program um, protocol. Um, that being said, I do think that in a, in someone who throws, you have to be very very careful about drilling a big hole in the humerus for interference screw technique or for a keyhole technique. Um, there are several reports of fracture, spiral fractures through that hole, which is a stress riser, and there are incredible rotational torques placed through the humerus with pitching. Um, so definitely a smaller hole is preferable for this kind of patient. Well, I totally agree, and I've gone to a fairly small hole uh, biceps tenodesis. So just outstanding information there, Peter, on a very challenging subject. Certainly, this has the potential to be uh, somewhat game-changing for those of us who are taking care of athletes in uh, throwing positions as well as pitchers in baseball. So great stuff. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us today, and uh, very insightful. Dr. Chalmers, our uh, title, Incidents and in Return to Play After Biceps Tenodesis in Professional Baseball Players, can be found in the March 2018 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you.